I've been so lucky to have had amazing bosses, as you say, amazing mentors and actually amazing colleagues. And um, particularly in tough times, people have really helped me. About three years ago, my, my mother passed away and it was a really awful and very tough time for me. And what I found was I couldn't have asked for a nicer support network and really a family in, in many ways. And so, yes, I, I think I've become a lot more conscious that kindness is about empathy, it's, it's acceptance, it's um, being mindful of others. We all have tough times, we go through good and bad times. And so just being conscious of that, it's the small acts, right? It's remembering someone's birthday, it's asking about someone's family. I make a very conscious effort to do that and to reach out one-to-one -to, -one to my team just to check in and see how they're doing. And not from a work perspective, but just how they're doing. Particularly in the last two years, COVID's really had an impact on some people's mental health. So yes, definitely, I'm a huge believer in the concept of paying it forward. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Currently Head of Products for Visa across continental Europe, Patricia Brolly has over 20 years experience in delivering large-scale programmes as well as revenue across multiple geographies and business functions. With immensely strong sales, product, customer service, operations, marketing, business transformation and P&L experience, Patricia has a passion for building high-performing teams, nurturing talent and leading teams through change. A marathon runner and Everest-based camp trekker, Patricia has a beautiful and altruistic love for the elderly. Alongside this, she has raised much-needed funds for the Ron Johnson Ward at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital and is now a trustee of the Richard Dimbleby Cancer Fund. Patricia was listed on the 2018 Kindness and Leadership 50 Leading Lights list, part of the Woman of the Future programme, and is a judge for the annual Woman of the Future Awards. More information on the Woman of the Future programme and its initiatives can be found at www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. So I was born in Seville. My mum was Spanish, my dad is Scottish, and that was amazing, just being brought up with two different cultures. So I spent a lot of my holidays in Spain. So I had a good balance, I speak Spanish. School-wise, I was very fortunate, so my parents hadn't gone to university, and they made a lot of sacrifices, actually, to send me to a boarding school which for a Spanish mum to send her child away to boarding school was pretty hard for her. Um, so I went to school in, in Seven Oaks called Walthamstow Hall and then went on to Leeds Uni, did languages there. And 
Yeah, I have to say I'm incredibly grateful, actually. I, I always have this sort of sense of guilt on the one hand, but gratitude to my parents for sending me to a school and just having a different life to them, which, yeah, I feel incredibly grateful for. And how was your boarding school experience? Because you had a few people on this podcast who've been to boarding school and it's ranged from really positive to somewhere in the middle to not very enjoyable at all. Were you a full-time boarder or how did it how did it work out for you? Yeah, so as a full-time boarder, I actually only went, for seven years actually, I went from the age of 11 to 18. And I have to say the first three months I was very homesick. But after that, uh, I remember on my last day leaving school, I was in floods of tears. <laughs> I, I think what it taught me, I was a very shy child growing up and... I think what boarding school really taught me was, uh, well, first it was very multinational. 70% of the girls at the school were from India or Singapore or Malaysia or Hong Kong. And so it was amazing, all these different cultures and religions that I could learn from. So mm. from that perspective, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I was also quite sporty, so I played lacrosse and I just loved it. And, and I made a lot of really good friends. So from that perspective, I, yes, I, I did enjoy it. But, but of course, there were girls that, that didn't enjoy it. Mm. Uh, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like for you, it very much broadened your horizons, which is fantastic. But I was just looking at your profile on LinkedIn, actually, and I, I was fascinated to see that you have had a few little vocational dalliances. And it's great that I mean, we all do it, don't we? We have little jobs before we actually launch into our own careers. And you've worked at John Lewis. And, but you also spent four months in the Dominican Republic teaching. What was that experience like? I did. So after, after uni, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a TEFL course, which is teaching English as a foreign language. And, and actually, my year abroad at uni, I'd spent a year in France teaching uh, kids. So, so I, I actually really enjoyed teaching and thought that that potentially could be a career avenue for me. So I uh, went to Santo Domingo and I taught English and uh, French to girls well kids boys and girls from uh, the ages of five to 15 and it was a huge culture shock I didn't know anyone in Dominican Republic I fortunately knew the language and I could speak that um, but I had to find my own flat had to make friends from scratch and it was one of the best experiences of of my life I learned a lot I, I came back primarily because I was working in a school where I couldn't quite see my values line up with the school. It was, it was a very well-to-do school and sort of the higher marks would be given to, you know, I suppose the wealthier pupils. So right, oh, right. I think my mm. values uh, perhaps didn't quite sync up, um, but I left. But nonetheless, it was an amazing experience uh, and I'm glad I did it. It really sounds like you're quite fond of pushing yourself and challenging yourself and you're not afraid to be uncomfortable to get what you want out of a situation. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yes, I, I, I do like adventure. I, I like to set myself challenges. Um, I've set myself hiking challenges. So I've done Everest Base Camp. Wow. I've and I'm really not a runner <laughs> I volunteered in in Peru in an orphanage and I've also worked with homeless people and done the annual crisis volunteering and and yeah I I suppose I do like to stretch myself and push myself but I think that's how you you learn mm. uh, yeah so how did you 
get on to the course of finance and forging a career in that way I suppose and was there a standout moment for you or was there a person maybe in particular that helped mold your interests in that way or were they already ignited in some way shape or form? Yeah so I fell into finance by chance really I come back from Dominican Republic I started as a contractor actually at Capital One which at the time was at least in the UK, it was becoming quite popular in the US, a small company of 30 people. And uh, I started working in the finance department and I then eventually moved into the marketing team. And so I really fell into it by chance. And from there, I went on to Morgan Stanley, to Barclay Card, and now at Visa. And I was reflecting on, on the fantastic bosses actually I've had in my career. And I couldn't name I think they've all had a huge influence on me and most of whom I've actually kept in touch with bizarrely three of my bosses who were um some of my favorite bosses were all called Mark um, <laughs> how funny <laughs> I've never met a you know a horrible Mark I have to say in my life <laughs> and I think there was one trend common they they all helped push me they gave me confidence they were very knowledgeable but also really humble and and very kind as well and certainly one manager in particular at Visa, uh, Tony Gibbons, he, he was the one who really pushed me I think to go for a role that was really outside of my comfort zone, it was a promotion and he encouraged me to do it. I think it was five minutes to five before I had to press <laughs> end on the application and he was buzzing me saying have you done it, have you done it. So I've been incredibly lucky. I've had amazing bosses throughout my career. So do you think their endorsement and belief in you has now fed into you yourself paying it forward for others? Because you were a listee on the kindness and leadership 50 leading lights list in 2018. So there must have been, you mentioned the word kindness as part of what you were taught when you were talking about the marks and what have you. Has that now become an integral part of your own leadership style? Absolutely. I've been so lucky to have had amazing bosses, as you say, uh, amazing mentors and actually amazing colleagues. And um, particularly in tough times, people have really helped me. About three years ago, my, my mother passed away and it was a really awful and very tough time for me. And what I found was I couldn't have asked for a nicer support network. And really a family in, in many ways. And so, yes, I, I think I've become a lot more conscious that kindness is about empathy, it's, it's acceptance, it's um, being mindful of others. We all have tough times, we go through good and bad times. And so just being conscious of that, it's the small acts, right? It's remembering someone's birthday, it's asking about someone's family. I make a very conscious effort to do that and to reach out one-to-one to my team just to check in and see how they're doing and not from a work perspective but just how they're doing particularly in the last two years COVID's really had an impact on some people's mental health so yes definitely I'm a huge believer in the concept of paying it forward. And you've been with Visa now you've had multiple roles but you've been there for nearly 14 years and you're now head of products across continental Europe is there anything across all the work that you've done, is there any one thing in particular that stands out for you or that you're particularly proud of? I'd have to say it's Germany. So three and a half years ago, 
my boss at the time, Mike Lemberger, another great boss who really pushed me to stretch myself, asked me to take up a role in, in Germany. I don't speak German. It was setting up a team from scratch. And I have to say, it's probably the best job I've ever had. It's certainly the most enjoyable and the most challenging. Um, three and a half years on, I've built up a great team. I've learned German, perhaps a little bit rusty now to keep that up. And we're making real progress in, in Germany with some great new products that we're launching. So I'd have to say that's the highlight. That's been the highlight for me. Can I ask you, what's the trick to learning a language? Because I've desperately tried to learn French for as long as I can remember, and I speak it very badly. Is there any trick to it, or is it literally submerging yourself in the culture and the language and watching French television? And do you have any tips or tricks or advice? Well, I suppose I'm cheating because my mum was Spanish. That's true. That is true. I, I do have an advantage, but absolutely all the things you've mentioned, just immersing yourself. What, what I've started doing on, on Netflix is actually putting the subtitles on, but, but also the audio into either French or, or Spanish or German. Oh, okay. And that's that's really helped me. So watching some programmes that you would typically watch <laughs> in English, yeah, it gives a little different spin I think but that, that's been and also reading newspapers mm. but also being in the country making friends as well um, when I was in France and my year abroad I made sure that I lived with French housemates I only spoke French and absolutely I think immersing yourself fully is really key great advice I'm going to try and visit France more often I think we've, we've talked about it already a little bit and the importance of mentoring and you know the real invaluable role that these people can play but when it comes to networks like the women of the future program how important do you think they are when it comes to helping women in particular support their careers give them the confidence overcoming imposter syndrome and how have you been involved with the women of the future program so far yeah i think they're critical it's, it's definitely helped me tremendously and, and my colleagues as well so visa's been a, a sponsor of women of the future for about 13 years now and six years ago i became the head of the women in business network at visa and that's how i got to know pinky very well and i have to say when you think about critical moments in your life meeting pinky was one of the best days of my life i'm so lucky i got to meet her she's probably one of the kindest people i've ever met and when when you think about kindness in action she just personifies that she, she's almost created a movement actually mm. of kindness I'm on the judging panel for women of the future it's one day in the year that I don't miss the women of the future awards because you get to meet amazing female and young talent who've achieved fantastic things for far more than I've ever done or ever did at, at their age and one thing that strikes you about all of them is how humble they are the first thing that they do when they win an award is go up on stage thank all of the other nominees and thank everyone else but themselves and attribute it all, all to luck and I think that's partly the imposter syndrome that kicks in but I think absolutely having a network like that I've, I've met some amazing women and, and gone to some fantastic events through it Every single person that I work with who's been to one of the events has talked about it to other people. Again, back to that movement, that ripple effect and paying it forward and helping each other out. So contacts are made and interviews are facilitated. And, mm. and so you just want to help these amazing women. 
picking up on what you said there about luck it's funny how much we all say that and you think yeah but I work really hard and like why am I so tired if it's lucky but yeah you're right we need to endorse ourselves as well don't we a little bit to just move forwards right I have some quick fire questions just to finish so yes. if you're ready what would you describe as your greatest success oh professionally I think Germany having been there uh, personally I keep in touch with many of my friends that I've known for, for over 30 years so I think that's probably my greatest success just keeping in touch friendship is very important to me mm. keeping in touch with friends and what would you describe as your greatest failure oh multitasking I, I'm a <laughs> multitasker I I have this urge to cram so much into my day I don't give myself enough time really to to just stop relax be present something I haven't quite cracked We've touched on this already, but the mantra of Women of the Future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? For me, it's, it's empathy, it's being mindful. It's more about the small acts of kindness w without expecting anything in return. Some of the things I've mentioned already, saying thank you, remembering people's birthdays or if someone's family member is ill. I, I think also paying for an elderly person's bill at a cafe and then sneaking out before they realize it's <laughs> it's it's really small things have you done that i have i have done oh that's such a sweet thing many to many times and it's a wonderful feeling that you just can't describe just knowing that someone cares about them and they feel valued they feel seen actually mm. is such a debilitating factor for, for elderly people so small things like that can really make a difference but small things can lead to big things think of pinkies kindness awards but also there's a great guy called michael iverson who set up what's called under one sky and it's essentially a movement of volunteers that help homeless people in london started out just michael and his friends so there are just some amazing people out there doing amazing things and did you, you talked earlier about having gone to Everest Base Camp and running the London Marathon. You did that for the National Benevolent Fund for the Aged, which is a charity that has sadly closed down now, but helped elderly people in the UK. And you spoke really fondly there of doing lovely things for the elderly. Is that a big part of your passion and where your heart is? It is. I've got a couple of causes, really. Elderly people, from school, really, I was volunteering from pretty much a, a young age actually for elderly people I think possibly because I had such a, a lovely grandmother actually mm. <laughs> I have this love of elderly people and I until quite recently visited a, a 93 year old lady Estelle Angel a wonderful woman um, for four years and we became friends and I visited her quite regularly she's actually someone that really inspired me um, was 93 very active much trendier than me <laughs> much more energy than me and she sadly passed away a couple of years ago but there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think of her and I want to be like her um mm. I'm older so yeah it's it's definitely something very close to my heart I remember my husband's grandmother was wearing playboy bunny shoes and I remember sitting next to her and whispering saying does she know what they are and he was like yeah of course she does of course she does it's like I would never underestimate the elderly but yes it was yeah it's wonderful to hear your story is there anything that scares you oh um 
being unprepared for a meeting or being unprepared in general really makes me feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, mm. I can almost over-prepare, so being under-prepared is, is something that makes me feel uh, super uncomfortable. I, I still have dreams, I'm not sure if you do as well, where you turn up at an airport in your pyjamas or... Yeah, <laughs> or at an exam that you've not exams. revised for. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what scares me. What is left on your to-do list? Well, I've just become a trustee of a cancer care charity the Richard Dimbleby Cancer Fund and I'm very new uh, I'm a new trustee and I really want to learn more about this particular charity but cancer causes in general and my goal is really to raise as much money as I can for them and, and help them but really learn more about it so that's still on my to-do list fantastic thank you so much i feel like the time has whizzed by speaking to you but i hugely appreciate you taking the time and it's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit better thank you really enjoyed it thank you for listening to this week's episode of the woman of the future podcast if you enjoyed it please hit the subscribe button and while you're there why not give us a rating and review you know you want to For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.